Hey everyone, um, didn't want to wait too long to put out another one because God keeps putting these on my heart. So it's me again, Rick, your intern at life. And last time I talked about foundations. <clears throat> Today God's putting it on my heart to talk about staying the course. And I listened to my favorite pastor at Stephen Furtick, big shout out. It gives me a lot of inspiration and stuff, but I'm coming to you from a different place today as far as um, where I'm sitting. I'm not down at the beach. I'm actually sitting at a place that at the end of the day, the people out uh, that are inside the place that I'm sitting out of, well, they stayed the course. And it wasn't, a, it, it, it wasn't an easy course. It was a long road. And we were we were able to be blessed to be able to walk this road with them and now they sit here opening up their brand new salon after staying the course and trusting God that God is is faithful he's just and with his grace we're saved and and the thing that you know that was impressed upon me on Sunday was that these battles that we face, and sometimes they're every single day. I face them, you face them. We already know that. But the thing that is is the, the most important thing to me is when we stay the course, how we watch his grace turn into favor. And there's been a lot of talk about favor. And when you look back at 2020, you think to yourself as you're going through all these trials and, and you were able to... Uh, build your foundation on God's word and God's promises and then you know you 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 get into this season where now you know it's it's starting to pay off and the reading was from this weekend was from Luke chapter 4 and I just want to read it and I love the first one this is after and and the pastor spoke about this but this is after Jesus was tempted in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights and, and the devil kept coming at him. And the interesting thing is when you go back and you start in Luke 4 and you, you read the scripture about how when he was tempted, Jesus just basically hit him with scripture. And see, the thing that you have to understand is that the devil will use scripture, a twisted version of it, to make you believe something that's not true. And it's funny because in the one verse, and I'm going to start in Luke 4, um, where the devil says to him, one of the last ones that he said, he said, the devil led him up to a high place. This is the last temptation Jesus said. It's in Luke chapter 4, starting at verse 5. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me. And I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will be all yours. And Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. I'm going to keep going. Verse 9. I had him backwards. The last temptation. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said. Now listen, because he's going to quote scripture. Throw yourself down from here, for it is written... He will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. 
Now listen to Jesus' response. And I heard this from pastors before. It's like they call him Savage Jesus. We don't think about Jesus as being savage. And I think I mentioned that in one of my earlier podcasts. But listen to Jesus' response because the devil's using a verse of scripture to try and tempt Christ to do it. But how do you tempt someone who basically wrote the scriptures, helped author them, and is the living word? Think about that. Jesus answered, It is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And now this is the important part. This is where we get into this, stay in the course, and when you're facing trials to stay the course. It says in in verse 13, chapter 4, verse 13, When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. And there's a lot of stuff in these scriptures. But one of the things that you have to understand and I tell this to the guys in prison, is when you face trials and you trust God, God will get you through that trial, but that doesn't mean the trials are over. You understand? So you go from a trial into a season of healing, into a season of favor and prosperity, but as you grow, God uses every single one of these challenges to get you to the next point in your life. And there's a book by T.D. Jakes called Crushing, recommended read. The book is amazing and he, he likens our lives to a grape. And we think when these trials come our way that it's the devil that's doing it, but it doesn't matter how the trial gets there, it's what God's going to do with it as you go through it. And I think one of the one one of the things that the pastor said that I thought was great is every battle won't last forever. But on the same turn, every blessing won't last forever as well. There's going to be another battle. We all know that. Because as we go through one battle, God strengthens us and he uses these battles that we go through to shore us up, to get us ready for the next one. But as he does, he teaches us as we go. That's why I say I'm an intern at life. Because at the end of the day, He uses every single situation. And now how I look at situations when I come to them, instead of saying, man, I can't catch a break. How many times have we said that? How many times when we said, why does this keep happening? Why to me? I'm doing the right things. Why does this continue to happen? And I said that for a lot of years. But now I turn it and I say, okay, Lord, what are you trying to teach me? Because why? Because I could stand on the scriptures. He will never leave me nor forsake me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And when I lean on those promises, it doesn't mean that the trial is going to go away right away like a magic dust because there's something that I have to learn through this. And if I keep myself open to God showing me what it is that he wants me to learn, what it is that he wants me to do next, well then... Basically, I can find his blessings and his favor in every single trial that I go through. Because God doesn't necessarily use um, the trials or he won't necessarily stop the trials until he finishes the transformation that he's trying to do in each and every one of our lives. And we could sit here and get caught up in everything that's going on in the world when 
The only thing that we could change is ourselves. And I'll say this over and over again. The only ones that we could change is us. And in turn, we let that light then shine onto the world. And if you get up every day saying to yourself, how can I make a positive impact today on anybody who's willing to listen? You know, I saw I saw um, a shirt from a Christian uh, a Christian outlet that said, "Warning: I may talk about Jesus at any time." Well, that that's the way I am, but you also don't want to force it on anybody. I mean, when I when I talk on these podcasts, it's really just to let you know that you're just you're not alone. You're not alone. Each trial, everybody's problems are their own. Yes. The old saying, if we all threw our, our problems out in the middle of the street in a bag and you could go out and choose any one, you would go out and choose your own because it's better to face the devil you know than the devil you don't, right? Well, we're all facing the same devil just in different forms. And it's running rampant in this world right now. And the best thing that we could do, and I say this constantly, is to pray and read. Connect with him. Connect with him so that he could show you and really listen to what he's saying. Because his favor can find us anywhere. It can find us in, in, in good times, in, in seasons where we're doing great, and also in seasons where we're not doing that great. Because where you sit is what you see. So if you're sitting in negativity, what are you going to see? You're going to see negativity. But if you're sitting in positivity, no matter what it is that you're coming, that, that's coming upon you, no matter what it is that you're facing, if you're sitting in positivity, you could see the end in positive light versus seeing everything in negativity saying, oh, that's not good or this isn't good. And when you know that you have God's favor and God's favor doesn't mean that you have all the money in the world. But God's favor can be his peace. It could be his understanding. It could be the strength that he imparts to us when we're going through those times. And it could be the strength that he imparts to us when we're in a season of grace that we could share that with someone else. And that's all it takes. A kind word, a hug. Hey, do you need anybody to talk to? Hey, what's on your mind? Is everything okay today? It's just reaching out to that person. And that's one of the things that I'm trying to get better at now is reaching out to the people in my life because I was never really good at it. I'm always here. If you called me, I'm on the phone. I'll talk to you. But now I'm starting to try and reach out more to people to let them know that I care and that I'm here. Because so many people are going through so much stuff right now. And it's crazy. And, and they just sit back and they think, my gosh, is it ever going to get any better? Well, yeah, it is. Because every day when you wake up is another gift that God gave you to go be a positive blessing in someone else's life. And when we take ourselves out of it and say, I'm not worried about me today. How can I help someone else? Well, then now you're moving to sharing that favor. And the problem is, is that we're so focused sometimes on what we're living in and what we're going through that we can't see what God's trying to show us the whole time. And it's crazy. And how many times I've fallen victim to that 
where I just say, please, Lord, show me. And he showed me, but I didn't see it because I was so focused on what was right in front of me instead of looking past it, above it, and beyond it to where he was trying to lead me through the storm. And if you, if, if you think about it, and it's funny because he mentioned this in, 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 his, in, his, in his preaching this weekend about the, the, the verses where Jesus is on the boat with them and a storm comes and Jesus is down there sleeping. Well, why is Jesus down there sleeping and everybody else is up on top, a nervous wreck that they're going to capsize, we're all going to drown, and he's down there sleeping. Why? Because he's secure in understanding that God is in total control. And it doesn't matter what it looks like around you. He has you in the palm of his hands the whole way. And the more you read and the more you pray and the more you listen and it's not just to his voice. If you're blessed to hear his voice, God bless you. I want to hear his voice, but it's like something impresses upon you. It's like what people call their conscience. See, I don't believe in a conscience. I believe that that's the Holy Spirit telling us this is wrong or leading us or there's this gut. Everybody says, yo, no, I had this gut feeling. That gut feeling is God's presence letting you know to go this way or that way. And as you start to read more and start to pray more, you'll start to feel that more and you'll understand where it's coming from versus the constant questioning that my gosh, even sometimes I still get caught up. Because why? Let me requalify. I'm a sinner. I'm a human being who's a sinner, who falls susceptible to the lies, And I just want to work every day to become better at not feeding in to the static that comes into my life from so many different directions. You know, am I going to make another sale? Am I going to be able to buy groceries? Am I going to be able to pay my mortgage? Am I going to be able to pay my bills? Instead of saying, Lord, I know that you supply the flowers and the birds. And what more am I to you than those? So every day I lean on that promise that I know no matter what, no matter what, he's got me. No matter what, he has me. And how much more do I need to know? I know that my rent's going to get paid or my mortgage is going to get paid. And I can't let my emotional focus be on the problems around me. It needs to be on God. And we have a habit of going back to what's familiar. And if you go back to always go back to what's familiar, you're always going to get what you've always got. When these things come, we have to make the choice. God gave us free will and free choice to make the choice to trust him or to make the choice to trust the things that we see in front of us because our faith isn't isn't by being able to see something our faith comes into hope that God is going to do the things that he said so if we constantly go back to what's familiar what are we going to get we're going to get what we always got if we constantly just react to situations instead of respond We're going to get what we get instead of getting what we want. 
I mean, and it's like, what? At this point, if if you're if you're in a place where you're looking at circumstances that you just don't know what's going to happen, if everything's going to be all right, and you're constantly in worry. And, and for years I was like that and I still fall susceptible to that sometimes when I get caught up looking at what's in front of me. And today, because of my reading and my studying and my trust in God, it's a little better for me to be able to handle those situations and it doesn't take as long for me to realize that he's still in control. If you're in a place where you feel like you have control over nothing, your finances, your life, your health, whatever it is that you're struggling with, I would say, what else do you have to lose? What else do you have to lose? Try it. Pick up your Bible and read a verse, read a sentence, read three words. Just open it. And everybody says, I don't know how to pray. I didn't know how to pray either. So you know what? This is how I look at it. Jesus is my homeboy and I'm going to talk to him like I'm talking to you right now. When I pray, I talk to him. He's our friend. He wants to hear. He wants to hear from us. He loves hearing from us. He wants to know what we struggle with. But then he'll ask the question, are you willing to hear the answer? Are we willing to hear the answer that we may have to stay in this season for a minute to really fully understand the grace that he's going to impart to us? Or are we going to pray and then say, Well, I prayed and nothing happened. Well, that's like putting water in the refrigerator, expecting it to freeze. And when you open it, it's not frozen. And you say, okay, well, nothing happened. So I guess I'm not going to have ice. Put it in the freezer. Put it back in his hands. Put it back in his hands. There's so much in his word. There's so much in trusting him. I've had people say to me that when they finally let go and it wasn't perfect, but when they finally let go and gave it to God, they experienced a peace that they've never experienced before. When they let go of unforgiveness, when they finally forgave those people who did them so wrong, there was no way when it happened that they were ever going to forgive those people. Ever. Ever. I'm going to hold this. I'm going to drink that bottle of poison and watch them suffer. They're not suffering. But the forgiveness that you experience and the peace that you experience by letting go of that anger that you felt towards someone who did you wrong. When you say, I forgive them, you don't even have to say it to them. You say it to God, Lord, I forgive them. Take it from me. Take it from me because I don't want to hold on to that anymore. The peace is unbelievable. We do this whole um, ceremony when we go into the prisons and I've talked about these kind of things before, but when we go into the prisons, there's a ceremony that we do and the whole weekend is basically taking them on a walk to forgiveness. But the walk to forgiveness is not only for themselves, but for them to be able to forgive others. And the whole weekend, we tell them, we hand them this piece of paper. We tell them one side, we want you to write down the people that need to forgive you. 
On the other side, we want you to write down the people that you need to forgive. And then this ceremony builds. We talk about forgiveness. We talk about the forgiveness that we need from God by asking for forgiveness. And then we talk about the forgiveness that we need to impart to others. Because if God forgives us, who are we to hold back forgiveness from somebody else? If God's willing to wipe our slate clean and we all know what we've done. Some of us think our sins are worse than others. But to God, a sin is a sin. It all looks the same to him. But at the end of the day, they write these things down and then we have them walk up. And we have them walk up to a bowl of water where a pastor is. And we ask them to put this piece of paper in the water. And then the pastor troubles the water. You'll hear that when you read the Bible. The pastor troubles the water and the paper disappears. And he tells them, this is your sins being forgiven to you. And that's the end of the night closing ceremony for that night. We don't talk to them. And then they go back to their units, to their rooms. These are, these are prisoners. We like to call them residents. And they go back to their cells just so everybody has a clear picture. And they're left with the thoughts and the feelings of what that experience was for them. And you see guys who are hardened. I mean, the angriest dudes you'll ever want to meet. And you see them the next day. And they, they literally look like different people. And we say, how was your night? And they're like, that's the best night's sleep I've ever gotten in my entire life. It was the most peace I've ever experienced in my entire life. Now, was, was that something I did? No, no. I can only give you what I know. That's it, nothing more. And love and an open ear to talk to you about what I know and what I've experienced. That's why I'm doing this podcast. But it's not about me, it's about God. And we have a saying in Kairos that don't thank us because it's not us. We're just instruments that God uses to spread his love and to let people know that they, they can have forgiveness. Even the worst of the worst of what society calls the dregs. The people on the perimeter. Those are the people that he wants. Those are the people that need the message more than anybody else. Is the people who are struggling, not people who are saved. People who are saved are saved. He wants the sinners. He wants the hurt. He wants the broken. He said, I didn't come here to save the saved. I came to heal the broken. I came to give forgiveness to tax collectors and sinners. That's why he came to be the ultimate sacrifice for our sins so that we can be forgiven. And if we just confess that he's our savior, we're forgiven. That's the grace. This isn't by works. We can't be saved by works. We can't be saved by saying, look at Lord, look at what I did. I did this, I did that. No, we're saved only by his grace. The fact that he was willing to send his only son to die on the cross for our sins. 
That's how we're saved, by grace. The grace that he allowed his son to come down here and die for us as the ultimate sacrifice. So when these guys did this service and wrote down all of this forgiveness and they've never seen anything like this in their life or experienced anything like this and to see a bunch of crazy guys come into prison to minister to them just to say, hey, listen, we love you and you are forgiven if you just ask that we don't hold against you what you've done in your life to put you inside of here because it doesn't matter to us. You've already been judged. You've already been judged. We're here to tell you that you can experience a freedom that transcends the walls and the bars of these prison. And I go back to one of my favorite verses and that verse is in, cha- in John chapter 8, verse 36. For if the Son sets you free, you shall be free indeed. That means if you ask for forgiveness in Jesus' name, you'll experience a freedom like you've never experienced before. You may be one of those people who thinks that, yeah, oh man, there's no way, no way that God is going to forgive me. I'm the worst of the worst. And you can't tell me that someone out there listening to it doesn't believe that their sin is worse than anything that's ever been done in this world. And why would God want me? Well, I'll tell you why. If you go back and you read the Old Testament, you'll find out that Moses was a murderer. Moses murdered someone who whipped a Hebrew slave when he found out that he was actually Jewish and not Egyptian was whipping a Hebrew slave and he killed that person. Think that he was doing the right thing. He was avenging an Israelite and he killed that person. And Moses went and ran and hid or he would have died and spent 40 years in the wilderness until God appeared to him at the burning bush. And he, he said to God, why would you use me as your voice? I stutter. Moses had a stutter. Now, everybody knows who Moses is, right? But Moses was a murderer. Did you know that? David, King David, from the lineage of whom Jesus comes, says in Isaiah, he will come from the line of David. Jesus came from the line of David. Everybody knows who David was. King David, the most well-known king in the Bible. Did you know that David was a murderer and an adulterer. So not only did David sleep with his top general's wife, but then he had his general killed in battle so that he didn't have to deal with it. And he went on to go through some serious problems. But he asked for forgiveness. He repented of what he did and God restored him. And then let's just slide on over to the New Testament. And a guy named Saul, later named to be changed to Paul. Um, Paul, formerly Saul, was an Israelite who basically was the lead prosecutor, persecutor, and murderer of people who followed Jesus. Until he had what we like to call that come to Jesus moment when he was on the road to Damascus. 
a great light shined down upon him and the voice said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And he said, who is it, Lord? He said, it is I, Jesus. What? Paul ended up writing most of the New Testament. And by the way, most of the New Testament from a prison cell. So when I tell you, when you think that your sin is a worse sin than any other sin that's out there, I beg you to just read the Bible. And when you say that you're not worthy, when you're not worthy of forgiveness, and why would God want to use me? Well, God takes people who are broken and turns them into the most beautiful objects to be able to use them in a way that nobody else can be used because he uses them to reach people that maybe couldn't be reached by the righteous, by these people who are so, you know, they know everything. Maybe he chose the broken to lead the broken away from the outskirts and from the edge to bring them back into the fold, to let them know that, well, you know what? You do belong. You do belong. And why wouldn't you? If Moses, David, and Paul were able to be used greatly by God, everybody knows who these people are. Even if you've never really studied the Bible, if you ever went to church a day in your life, you heard about Paul, you've heard about Moses, Ten Commandments, all the laws that are governed in the Bible came through Moses. Moses was a murderer and a stutterer. When you make the comparison, if you do it to the Moses that we all knew, you make that comparison, well, you might not think you're as bad as you think you are when you're done making those comparisons. There is just no comparison. We don't have to compare ourselves to others. We don't have to compare ourselves to other Christians. Some Christians can be the biggest, uh, the biggest, the biggest stumbling block to new Christians than anyone else. And it's just in presentation. The bottom line is I start with, I'll finish with, I'm broken. I'm a sinner. And the only reason I can speak this way is because of my experiences. And the biggest experience I ever experienced was the grace that God gave me by washing away my sins through his son. And when we look at life that way, when we think about it, that we can have forgiveness, no one is below forgiveness. Everyone can be forgiven. All we have to do is ask. All we have to do is ask. That's it. And when we look out at the world and everything that's going on, and we think, my gosh, the jobless, everything, whatever it is that you're facing today, all you have to do is stand on the promises of the Bible. I will never leave you nor forsake you. If God be forced, who be against us? And if you trust in those things and you, you let yourself believe it, what else have you got to lose? What else have you got to lose? I don't know. I gave up trying to figure it out on my own. 
Because every time I try and figure it out, I got to tell you, I mess it up. That's why I always pray before I speak, whether it be in prisons, in front of anybody, if friends of mine are coming over that are struggling, I ask God, please, Lord, let it be your words and not mine. Because if I'm in control of the dialogue, I can mess it up. Because in my humanness, and in everybody's humanness, the ego always seems to creep in. I don't want ego. I don't want ego. I just want to do. I just want to share what God gave to me. It's like paying it forward, right? You have to pay forward what you receive because how will anyone else know why you're the way you are? People will ask me, why are you so positive? Now I could be mean and say, why are you so negative? But I'm not. Why I'm so positive? Because I believe that God forgave me of my sins and outside of that, what else is there? What else is there? If I don't have something to hope for, then yeah, I would be depressed. Everything I saw would be negative because of where I sit. Where you sit determines what you see. What you see determines what you do. So if I'm sitting in the promises of God, then I'm going to see his promises bear fruit. And if I see his promises bear fruit, I want to go bear fruit. So when I see his promise bear fruit, even without a job that I could still um, pay bills, and I'm in real estate, I have that, but if you know, if you don't make a sale, you don't get it. But he always seems to provide right when we need it. And he said, you won't get a penny more or a penny less. You'll get exactly what you need for the season that you're in. And it's not just about money. He'll give you exactly, exactly the right amount of faith for the season that you're in. All you have to do is ask him. All you have to do is trust him. All you have to do is lean on him. All you have to do is stay the course. How many times have we heard that? All we have to do is stay the course. Stay the course. Finish what you started. Well, start it so that you could finish it. Start trusting him so that you could finish him. And if you're in a place where you're just not sure, just scream out to him. Lord, I need you. I need your help. And I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to read the Bible. I don't know how to pray. You say it just like that. And he's, he's going to hear you no matter what. Because he's waiting for you. He's sitting on the side and he's waiting for you. And you hearing this message is another knock on the door. And he says, I stand knocking at the door. If you come in, if, if you open it, I'll come in. And I'll dine with you. And all you have to do is open up the door. Every time you hear a message like this, you're already searching. Well, if you're searching, he's finding you. Because if you're hearing this, he may be speaking to you right now. Reach out to him. It's not a phone call. It's not a text message. And if you can't get out of bed where you're laying, just reach out to him and say, Lord, help me. I don't know what else to do. What do you have to lose? Nothing. It's just words. 
Ask him to come in. Ask him for help. And believe it. Believe that he can help you. And even, even if you don't get the answer right away, stay the course. Stay the course. I mean, if we don't stay the course, how are we going to know what he's trying to do for us? What's your focus on? Is your focus on the familiar? Or is your focus on God's favor and trusting his promises that are given to you in the Bible? And all it takes is opening up that word. Stop wherever it opens up to and read. Read whatever you can. If you don't understand it, read it again. If you don't understand it and you have someone in your life that you could talk to who may know about God, then talk to them. Reach out. Because you're hearing this for a reason right now today. You're hearing this. And if you're hearing it, he's calling to you. He's knocking on your door. All you have to do is answer. It's all you have to do is answer. So, I love you all. Um, I hope this message helps you. I'll be praying for you. Please pray for me because I love the prayers. Keep trusting him. And my favorite verse, Philippians 4.13, I could do all things through Christ who strengthens me. If we lean on his promises and we lean on his word, things will start to change. It may not be overnight. Stay the course. Lord, let these words touch whoever it is that you want to touch. And Father God, I pray for every listener that hears this, that you may send your Holy Spirit to strengthen them, guide them, and let them know that they're loved. Jesus' name I pray. You guys all have a wonderful day, a wonderful week, and hopefully you'll hear from me soon. Blessings.